Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here with My Outdesk and uh, I'm excited. We got Scott Groves here. And what's cool about Scott is he's a mortgage professional. He's a coach, speaker, author. I have his book. I have his shirt. I'm wearing my shirt today, though. I, I really uh, should be wearing his shirt. Uh, and Scott, thanks for being here today. No, no, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I know this group is going to go or this video is going to go out to my coaching clients and some of your people and whatnot live on Facebook. So if you're watching this at any time in the future, uh, thanks for taking 20, 30 minutes of your time to uh, tune in and listen to Daniel and I riff on something. I don't even know what yet. Well, we're going to talk about everything mortgage, like how to build a real mortgage practice. And that's what's unusual about what you've done is you've got a coaching platform and a mortgage company. And so you're one of the people who are actually in it, living it every single day. And so we're absolutely going to extract all the value that you have it out of that brain and drop it for the audience. So I'm, I'm excited for that, but let's start with how you got started. Like how, what's your origin story? Like, how'd you get into the morning? Uh, world? I just can't, I can't tell the same boring origin story. Like I yeah, was, you can. I was in it. I was in it for nine years after I got out of the army, rada, 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 you know, rode the wave up at Washington mutual crashed and burned like everybody else, you know, read, read the, read the forward of the book. Yeah. I have a forward worth reading. I basically, you know, almost bankrupt, half a million dollars in debt, everything sucked, living on a buddy's couch. That was so many loan officers in 2009, 2010. I just oh, feel yeah. like it's the, it's the bad DC version of the origin story. It's not the really solid Marvel origin story. So, you know, that's just kind of what happened to everybody that was in the business. And then after yep. 2009, started to rebuild my business. You know, thank goodness I knew how to read tax returns because I think a whole slew of loan officers got cut out in 2010, 2011, when they realized they couldn't do stated income anymore. Um, <laughs> so, so just, you know, started rebuilding all purchase centric and then, you know, doubled my business from 2010 to 11 to 12 to 13 to 14, uh, worked for some great companies. And now, um, now partnered up with a gentleman named Justin Bale and kind of just doing our thing. Uh, we're out of Los Angeles, California. So the, uh, the loan amounts help a lot with the volume, although yep. uh, our payout per loan is a little bit lower, but we'll end up doing, uh, my business partner and I will end up doing about 200 loans this year for like 120 million, which uh, is a really good living out here in California. Sometimes after taxes in California, as you know, that's about $12 that we'll both yeah, yeah. make. You're uh, making minimum wage. <laughs> making minimum wage, funding 120 million a year, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, a few years ago when I was at a company called Movement Mortgage, I was their number one guy by volume. And yep. you know how this goes, Daniel, when you're successful, people start calling you, Hey, can I get five minutes? How do you do this? How do you do that? What are your thoughts on right. this? And those five minute calls turn into half hour calls and then your whole week is gone. So um, kind of accidentally about five years ago, I said, all right, well, why don't we get the 20 people that keep calling me um, on a Thursday morning call? And then that's evolved into a coaching program over the nice. last five years. Um, nice. And it, it's funny, it's actually profitable. I really started it just as a way to have a tax write-off against my W-2 income and uh, be able to write off all these personal development and professional development courses I was going to. And then 
who knew there was actually an appetite for kind of what we were doing in our space. So yeah, yeah that's, that's basically how the last 20 years have gone in a nutshell. That's awesome. Talk to me about the, the reason you did your first loan or like, why'd you get into it? Like, I want to hear that, that original, like, I, I'm going to be a mortgage guy. All right. So th this is actually kind of a funny story. I got out of the army and at the time Washington Mutual had this, this deal for veterans where yeah. if you were going to college part or if you're going to college full time, you only had to work part time at Washington Mutual and you would get full benefits. So a uh, ex-girlfriend of mine or something from high school called me and she's like, Hey, I'm an assistant branch manager at Washington Mutual. You should come be a teller. You yeah. only have to work like 20 hours a week and you get full benefits and we'll help reimburse you for some college stuff. So I went and did that and I was uh, going to Pasadena City College, using my GI Bill and whatnot. And about 60 days into being a teller, my good friend uh, and the assistant manager came to me and she's like, well, Scott, here's the thing. You're really good at talking to clients. Uh, and, we, and we know that you are not stealing because you wouldn't steal a buck here, 37 cents here, but you're always out of balance on your cash drawer. And I'm like, right. yeah, come on guys. Clearly I'm not stealing like 37 cents a day. Like, does that really matter? And they're like, yeah, yeah that, that really matters when you're a bank teller. And so yeah. she said, we can either fire you uh, or we can promote you into this program to learn how to do loans because you're really good at talking to the clients. And so when it was between a promotion and a firing, I, I took the promotion started doing loans in 2000 and kind of rode that wave all the way up and then crashed like everybody else. And, and yeah. now I'm riding it back up again. We'll see what happens. That's crazy. Okay. So let's, let's dive in. What, um, when you're helping somebody consider what it would take to double, uh, you know, their mortgage business, like how do you focus in and what are some of the keystone habits or things that you always look for and, or help somebody implement for a mortgage professional like yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. And the first thing that we always want to do is try to focus on somebody's strengths, right? So when, I, uh, when I'm coaching private coaching clients, and then I try to extract this into our more, you know, online, bigger group coaching program, is if you're in any sales profession, and you're not doing the amount of business that you think you should be doing, it's usually because you have a strength and you have a weakness. And everybody needs their clients to get to know who they are, trust them enough to send them that first deal. Sorry, excuse me know who they are, like them enough to send them that first deal, and then trust them based on how that deal went in order right. to send them more deals. So I always ask people like, hey, what are you best at? Are you good at getting out there and meeting the people and doing that guerrilla marketing um, mm -hmm. to get people to at least know that your name is Scott Groves, the lender? If that's the case, let's double down on those efforts and yep. then let's build a coaching curriculum to help you in the, okay, now they got to like you, now they got to trust you stage. Or a lot of times people will say like, Scott, I'm really strong at my loan process. I, you know, I know the guidelines. Once somebody works with me, they want to continue working with me and they trust me enough. You know, that's my strength. So then we just kind of, you know, reverse engineer like, all right, well, if by the time you get somebody in the pipeline, they love working with you, how do we get more people in the pipeline? So it's really picking that point of strength and then kind of building around that versus, you know, a, a lot of coaches are, the kind of, uh, uh, what's the old saying? Uh, beatings will continue until morale improves. It's yeah. like, let me whip you and flog you into doing the three or four things I think you should do to right. double your business. And that's not really what this is about. It's about finding what you're good at, building on that, and then you know, finding either other people or other systems to supplement that weakness. So right. that's kind of the first stage. Uh, and then there's just the, the good old generic, you know, daily activities, calling, that compound effect stuff to start making your business better. So, you know, that, that's kind of where we start and then that's what our jumping off point is. 
Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here, and I wanna tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's my Outdesk virtual assistants. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants, and I want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word MOD, MOD, to 31996 and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call where you work one-on-one -on -one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. What's the, um, in your business today, what are some of the secret sauces that you employ to drive that, you know, 120 million, 200 deals? That's a big deal. It's a lot of mortgages in California. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. So what are some of the things in your business that you rely on to drive revenue and really have you guys operate at a high level like you are? So for only $999 and 99 cents, I will give you the secret script that changes <laughs> your life. The five <laughs> secrets to mortgage origination. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, Daniel, I, I give this keynote speech on lead generation. And what I do is I have everybody uh, in the audience. I say, hey, if you're married, girlfriend, boyfriend, baby, mama, booty call, whatever you want to call it. If you have somebody special in your life, stand up. Just about everybody stands up. And then I say, okay, tell me if this story has ever happened to you. And I've got a whole audience of several hundred people standing. I'm like, tell me this has ever happened to you. Your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever comes home and says, oh, hey, you know, cousin Jimmy or Blanca at the office or Debbie, my college roommate, they just bought a house. We should go over there and check it out or go to the housewarming party or go to the pool party. And yep. you're looking at your spouse saying, wait a minute, why, why did I get a shot at the loan? I've, I've met that person. I've had dinner with them. I've, I've picked up a tab here and there at the half hour. And so then I, when I ask the audience that nine tenths, 95% of the audience sits, sits down, down. sits yep. down because everybody's had that experience, right? Where a product right. you sell, somebody very close to your spouse has bought that product and not used you. And what I tell people is guys, you're not even famous enough with the person you're sleeping with to get all of their referrals. Why are you going out and spending thousands of dollars on Facebook ads and flyers and you know i've had loan officers before tell me things like well if i could just get the down payment assistant flyer with the right color that would really double my business i'm like you're insane you're focusing on all the wrong things yeah so in our coaching program we have a couple things like i think to make that first 200 to 250,000 in sustainable repeatable business yep. you've got to be famous with 50 people and what I mean by that is if you're famous with 50 people, you know, famous with your spouse, it means 
when the subject of real estate or mortgages or finances come up at work, they ask to interject you into the conversation. You know, if you have a dental hygienist or an insurance broker or a CPA, if you're giving people money and those yeah. people talk to other people, they should be giving you a referral from time to time. Um, now look, this gets a little awkward because some people think that we go down that road of, I only have usury relationships. You know, I, I'm only friends with people that refer me business, but you and I are a perfect example. Like yeah. you've done a really good job of keeping in touch with me and becoming famous with Scott Groves. So I've been able to refer you over five or six people. Cause when the idea of staffing comes up, um, you know, I just know Daniel is famous in my mind when it comes with anything, HR staffing, you know, um, scaling, anything like that. And so if you're famous with at least 50 people, and I've got a whole worksheet on how they can fill this out, um, you know, 10 realtors, 10 listing agents, 10 CPAs, like that in and, of, in and of itself will lead to a couple hundred thousand dollars in income. And then it's just a matter of using something like this. And I don't care if you use mine, you know, you can send this out. Uh, it's just a matter of using something like this call tracker to make sure that you're strategically staying in front of them. So there's no secret sauce. There's no magic script. There's no Facebook funnel. There's no Instagram ad that's going to make loans fall from the sky because guess what? Quicken has that market uh, just on lockdown. Yeah. yeah. So, so as soon as you, the standalone loan officer can compete with rocket mortgage, then good, go buy some funnels and shit. Uh, until then, you know, stay in touch with the people, you know, pick 50 people you want to be famous with. You know, I, I heard somebody, um, a little twist on that. It was pick 50 people who are also salespeople. Yep. If you go to a CPA who's like, well, I'm, I don't know if I can give you your name out as a re recommendation. I need to give you, give my clients three other recommendations. I could never say anything personal. That's not the person you want in your 50 people. You know, right. you need people who you can be famous with who are also business owners and be, will be reciprocal in the relationship, you know? Yeah. If my CPA said some shit like that, I would say, okay, cool. Then what I'm going to do, this is the CPA I'm paying personally. I would say, okay, cool. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my taxes to three CPAs. You guys do all the work and send me the final numbers for what my return is going to be. Then I'll pick one of you who I'll pay for your services and send in my tax returns. This idea, this, this urban legend that people have to give out three cards is 100% BS. It's complete yep. malarkey. There is, no, there is no saving grace for giving somebody three names of people that are shady or there is nothing negative about giving one name of somebody that's ethical. And so what I always tell people, because I get this all the time, Daniel, sorry to go down this rabbit hole, but this is a big thing. I love it. Um, I tell realtors all the time, I'm like, hey, that's cool. Whatever you have to do to feel comfortable. But just so you know, that's not, that's not a law. I'd be happy to send you some information on that. <laughs> and then um, number two, let's just take this, this to its logical conclusion. I remember having this conversation one time with my buddy, Dan. I'm like, Dan, do you think if you give out three loan officers to your potential buyer and one of those three loan officers screws up, do you think the client's going to say, ah, you know what, Dan, you gave me three options and clearly I picked wrong. I'm not upset with you. I'm just upset with the lender. Of course not. They're going to say, Dan, one of the guys you gave me screwed things up. You messed up. You're a mess. Da, 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 da. Yeah, because yeah, this yeah. is the thing that the realtor always thinks they're trying to avoid. They think they're right. trying to avoid the conversation like, well, if you screwed up and you're the only name I gave them, then I'm in trouble. I don't care if you give them a hundred names. If, if you gave them the lender on your list, and they picked one of those lenders, Mr. And Mrs. Realtor, you're in trouble. So Mr. And Mrs. Realtor, what's in it for you? Dan, for example, Dan, wouldn't it be much nicer if you only had to make one phone call a week to review your entire pipeline, 
go over everybody that's pre-approved all your deals under contract. Isn't that easier than trying to chase down three different lenders, try to keep straight who's doing what, like, give me a chance, give me an at bat with all your clients. I won't let you down. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's worth having the conversation because it's like this idea of giving out three lenders. Like I, I won't even work with those people anymore. So when you, when you are reaching out to these real estate folks and these 50 famous, was that your pitch right there is like, look, I'm going to take care of your people. Give me one shot and, and I'll, I'll do a good job. Uh, yes and no. And, and I preface that because of course we always need that first shot at, yes. at a deal to impress yep. somebody. We all, we always need that first at bat to shine and do a great job. But I always um, am hesitant to recommend that because we know what happens, right? You go out there, you put your name out to a bunch of people and there ends up being this negative self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you put yourself out as, you know, give me your poor, your weak, your tired, your bad credit scores, the people that have been turned down five times, more often than not, guess what? Every other lender wants to make money. Every other lender wants to close deals. So if a deal is declined, or a deal can't work out or somebody can't figure out how to pre-approve a client. There's a chances, reason. Chances are the deck is stacked against you. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're really seasoned or you have some secret sauce or you have some great product offering through your company, great. I expect you to be out there talking about that and saving deals. But this yeah. idea that, you know, excuse my language, but this idea that I'm going to take everybody else's dog shit deals and turn those into raving fans, that's usually not the case. Usually what we do is we take the dog shit deal we piece it all together, we fight the fight, we find a way to close the deal. And because we closed two days late, the realtor's like, nah, I'm gonna stick with my guy, you didn't do a great job. Or the client's oh. frustrated. You know, We've all had those deals where it's like, there should be a parade in the street for Scott Gross figuring out this financing. And right. instead I'm getting a three-star review because, well, we had to change the date of our movers. And it's like, you, you shouldn't even own a house right now. <laughs> um, so, so when I ask for that first at-bat, I always preface it of like, hey, if, if our first couple at-bats are going to be the tough deals, I need some grace. You know, no tight contingencies. The closing date might be a little bit fluid. I might have to have your client pay off some debt to qualify. But I'm going to set those guidelines up front right away. Yeah. Because any lender watching this knows that, you know, in the first day of escrow or under contract, if you're not in California, not in escrow state, in the first day of the contract or the first day of the pre-approval, anything that I can discover is the client's problem, is the client's fault. Yep. On day 10 of the transaction, anything I discover, that's my fault. Right. So we better have it dialed in upfront if we're going to be winning relationships through taking those tough deals. So yeah, long answer it. to your easy question as usual. Sorry. No, it's great. Uh, I was um, with another friend of mine, um, last week and he's a title guy and i made the mistake because i'm a real estate broker love I, I was a mortgage guy at one point too um back when it was easy right 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 um and i made the mistake as an agent of not understanding how much value i brought to my lender my title person my escrow person you know like i just gave these guys business because i liked them like literally right. i worked with my escrow gal because she was awesome and we'd go drinking together and we, we had a lot of mutual friends and right. I didn't realize that I had brought more than a million dollars a year to her business in revenue. Like I had no clue. And so right. I was talking to this title guy and he's like, uh, I do, I partner with some of the best real estate people in the country. And then we, w we use the money that we have together to go grow each other's business. So I'm curious in the mortgage space, what can you do 
and what have you been doing to really partner with real estate people to really help each other grow over time? Yeah, you know, this is a really tough conversation because unfortunately, starting with Zillow, cold calling literally every realtor in the country until every realtor, you know, was beat into submission and bought some Zillow ads or blocked them and said, don't ever call me again. Starting with Zillow, Zillow really set this precedent of realtors should have a usury relationship with lenders. So, you know, Zillow would call realtors over and over and over again for years saying, hey, you need to sign up for Zillow ads. And if you have a lender who's worth a shit, uh, he'll pay half of the ad spend. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things we could go down the rabbit hole of like, is that really RESPA compliant? Because let's be honest, most lenders out there who are paying the Zillow ad spend, it wasn't just to advertise on Zillow. It was with the expectation of like, hey, I'm doing this as a little bit of a kickback to get your other business, you know, the good leads, not just the online leads. Right. Um, so there's some compliance concerns there. And then also, you know, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship that's only predicated on spending money because eventually somebody will want to spend more money than me or exactly as the, um, you know, the mortgage banks were predicting, Zillow used that ad spend from realtors and from lenders to now create their own real estate and mortgage company. So, you know, everybody who ever spent money in Zillow, and I was guilty of it four or five years ago, we basically just funded, funded a startup competition to, to become our competition. We've yeah. seen the same thing with a bunch of the other online services that aren't even worth mentioning. So, Talk about um, realtor.com. I mean, we used to own that. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're now, you know, it's, it's insane what's happened to realtors. You know, you're paying an MLS feed to create this feed which is now being resold to Zillow or Redfin or whomever. So then they can send it back to you. So the realtor is really getting screwed in this equation and and I'm sympathetic to them. Um, You know, if I had unlimited money, I'd be happy to spend unlimited money on all my realtors. But, you know, I think we've got to get back to this idea of a, a good lender realtor relationship is a lender who will, you know, stay communicative, communicate, uh, I hate that (laughs) word. Uh, they will stand by their word, meaning if they issue a pre-approval letter, that's a deal that can close and then close the deal on time, you know, because I think it's kind of lost in translation that nationally, I think the National Association of Realtors has pulled this nationally, still over 20% of deals fall through because of financing issues or issues with the appraisal where the lender didn't bring in a local area expert that could help bring the appraisal in at the contract price if it was validated, which most times it is. I mean, realtors aren't selling property way over the asking unless it's justified. So, you know, I'm trying to constantly remind my realtors like, hey, there's going to be somebody who's going to offer to pay for this. And there's going to have somebody that has this super cool flyer program. And there's going to be, you know, some new startup that's willing to do this. Really all that matters, Mr. and Mrs. Realtor, is that your client, if that's the house they want to buy, that they can close escrow or close the contract. Um, And I think we've got to get back to that a little bit because I think it's been lost in the fact that like, oh, well, every lender can just close, right? And they can close on time and they know what they're doing. So now it's become this commodity business and what's the rate, what's the rate, what's the rate, what's the rate? Well, the rate is not the most important part of the mortgage transaction. The most important part of the mortgage transaction is can you close the mortgage, which still doesn't happen 20% of the time nationally, which is insane to me. Um, So what we've been doing a lot of is investing money where we can get back into the community. So if there's a charitable event that a realtor wants to help co-host, we'll jump in and help with that. 
if there's something fun where we can get out and meet some of our clients face to face, an appreciation event or a holiday party, or um, you know, one of our one of our preferred partners just did this trick or treating thing on the boulevard where their office is. That's cool because that allows us to connect with the community where we're doing loans, meet some of our clients in person, which we rarely get to do on the loan side, spend some quality time with the realtors. That's the stuff we're really looking to spend money on. I could care less about the new Boomtown, Commission Inc., Zillow, blah, 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 somewhere where you know, we're getting tricked into spend money so that some competitor can, can, can create a better mousetrap to try to put us out of business. This is not what I'm interested in. What is, um, I, I appreciate that, that response. What, when in your opinion is happening in your industry right now? Mortgages, you mentioned Rocket Mortgage earlier, real estate, Zillow's coming in, EXP. There's a lot of you know, change happening in our world. Yeah. And even in your guys' world, I mean, there's shifts happening, big ones. Big so what's, where do you see the future of the mortgage industry going? And w- what's your predictor of the future? Like what, what, what is going to be the fight over the next three to five years? Yeah, this is, this is a pretty unpopular opinion. So, um, we'll, perfect. We'll see I'm glad you're sharing it here. Um, this is a pretty unpopular opinion and, and this is going to sound kind of egotistical and, and narcissistic, but I think it's really important for loan officers to hear. We've just had a five, six, seven, eight year run up of property values, turnover of properties, insanely low interest rates. Um, you know, there's been every indicator for the loan officer to succeed. And frankly, whether it's in our coaching program or people I'm giving advice to, or people that are trying to career plan, I'm like, look, if you haven't been making a hundred plus thousand a year over the last couple of years and you're seasoned in this industry, leave now. Huh. Like honestly, leave now and go get trained in another career. And I'm not saying that in jest and I'm not, I'm not saying that to be, you know, hyperbolic or melodramatic, but that's the reality because the Quicken mortgages, the online, you know, mortgage experience, I really think what's going to happen is uh, the business is going to get turbo taxed, meaning that, pick a time frame, 18 months, two years, five years from now, um, 50% of consumers out there, just like TurboTax, are going to be on, able to go on, click a few buttons. You know, they're one pay stub, one W-2. It's going to pull all their information from the Ethernet out there, from the Ether uh, via the Internet. And they are literally going to get, you know, three little columns. Pick one from column A, one from column B, one from column yeah. C. There's your mortgage. You're done. And then what will happen is that'll put, just like H&R Block did, that'll put 50% of the accountants or the loan officers in this scenario out of business. You will cease to exist in the mortgage industry or you will go into marketing or be a you know, low paid processor or something like that. So how do you, how do you stay relevant in that prediction? Jeez. So the, the 50% that stick around are going to be the ones that are like the more boutique uh, accountants. I'm sure you're in the same spot. I pay my accountant in arm and a leg to file my taxes because I have a separate corporation for the coaching my expectation is I can call him mid-year anytime for tax advice and he's right. going to pick up the phone. So right. I pay him, you know, a king's ransom, whatever he wants to file my taxes. I probably pay him a hundred times what TurboTax costs now, 20, 50, hundred bucks, whatever it is. Um, because I want that access to knowledge. I know that throughout the year I might have some tax planning. There might be a different product on the table. It's going to be the same exact thing in mortgages. So if yep. you can niche down into your product, you can really be a, um, a debt consultant, which is what Barry right. Habib has been talking about for a couple of years. 
you know, those 50% are going to survive and probably thrive. And again, this is the part that sometimes comes across a little obnoxious. Like if I lose 50% of my income over the next couple of years, because the market goes through a massive transition, I won't be happy, but my family will still eat. If somebody's making 70, 80, even 90, maybe $100,000 a year, and they take a 50% cut to their income, nobody's going to stay in this crazy business with this level of stress for 40 or 50 grand a year. Yeah. So I really thought what I'm talking about was, was going to happen in 2019 and 2020. Uh, what ended up happening, as you know, is rates dropped dramatically and unexpectedly, and it threw a lot of loan officers and a lot of companies a lifeline. And so some people that probably should have washed out over the last 12 months or the next 12 months are still sticking around because rates have yeah. been so low. Yeah. But, but I'm not kidding. Like the future of the industry is 50% of business is going to be quick in online digital loan officers that that'll work for a hundred dollars a file. Cause it literally takes them 30 seconds and they're just rubber stamping the 1003 because compliance says some loan officer has to sign this thing. Um, or you're going to move to that boutique offering and have a very wide product knowledge. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot in between. I love that. I question, how do you run your, like, let's walk through your operation real quick for the audience. I want to understand the right way to build a mortgage team. Like, what does it look like as you grew from where you are today to like, let's cut it in half and then let's cut that in half. What were yeah. the steps that you kind of built up in order to build a team and, and, and have as much success of you as you've had? Yeah, so I'm going to go back in time about five years, you know, uh, myself and my business partner, Justin, we both have young kids, you know, two, three years old. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of property investing. I have my coaching business. So we kind of decided that we were going to, sorry, this birthday party going on out there. One of our, yeah. one of our team members is having a cake. Um, nice. we, we decided that strategically we were going to do less on an individual basis because we wanted to focus on other parts of my life and other parts of his life and other business ventures. So probably our business model isn't the best for people to replicate off because we're trying to take our foot off the gas instead of just crush the world. Um, so let me go back a few years when I was doing the most business individually which I think my best year was like, I don't think, I know my best year was 98 million. I never hit that $100 million mark on my own. You're, um, you're upset. You're upset. I'm about very that. upset. I'm very upset. So I think the first thing you have to do, the very first thing you have to do is you have to find somebody to take some of the busy work off your plate. And this might be the personal busy work. This might be um, hiring a virtual assistant, a virtual professional in order to take a lot of those, you know, um, lower paid tasks off of our plate. Uh, for example, one of my first coaches in the business was Todd Duncan, who's a, a great guy and a great coach. He's and, in and, Sacramento, right? I think he's, uh, in he, he's actually down in Newport now, but uh, oh, okay. he does a lot of events in San Diego, really big in the industry. You know, the first time I met with him, he's like, Scott, would you, we, you know, we mapped out how much money I wanted to make and what my hourly rate was. And he's like, Scott, would you pay somebody a hundred dollars an hour to go run errands, you know, pick up dry cleaning, run by target, make photocopies. And I'm like, no, that's absurd. He's like, okay, well your time, if you're doing the strong activities that you know you can do to lead generate, your time is worth a hundred dollars an hour. Anything that's worth less than half of that, hire somebody else to do it. And, yep. and I know how easy it is for me to say this now that we're managing our own PL, we can hire ahead of demand. When you're making 50, 60, $70,000, $100,000 a year, and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to take a $25,000, $35,000 hit to bring in a virtual professional or an on-site admin. That is scary as shit. But nice. I'm telling you, you have to hire ahead of demand and grow ahead of demand. Because if you don't, what everybody does is they wait till they're at 110% capacity, 
Then they try to hire somebody. They have no time or energy to train that person. Yeah. And then that person fails and you're like, well, see, this is bullshit. Nobody can do it as well as me. It's like, no, you hired too late in the game and you couldn't train that person to do things as well, or at least 80% as well as you. So um, the first person I ever hired, I didn't have money to hire them. I, I had a three bedroom house that I was hanging onto by the skin of my teeth. I found a gal in exchange for a room and board would work 20 hours a week for me. So I let her live in one of the rooms for free. She could eat any of my groceries, but she had to like run all my personal errands, walk my dog, do photocopies. You know, I got about four hours a week of work out of her. That opened up the floodgates to make more money. And then I hired my first full-time assistant and then a full-time loan officer assistant who knew tax returns. And then a second loan officer assistant who knew more about tax returns. And, you know, it just snowballed and we were able to get to almost a hundred million dollar team, which was like 180 loans that year with three people. And so, yeah. you know, hire ahead of demand, find that first hire. If you're, you know, find some way to get them. Like I said, I, I offered them a bedroom in my house. You don't have to go that crazy, but get some money from your company, pitch in some money from your paycheck, get that first 15 to $20 an hour employee who can take a shit ton of stuff off your, off your plate. And then what you'll find is you can just load them up with more and more stuff and you can right. teach them how to be a loan officer assistant. And then you move them up and you slide somebody else in, you move them up and you slide somebody else in. Uh, and Oh, by the way, don't forget to be nice to them because my problem is I have lost key employees about every three or four years. Cause I'm not the easiest person to work for, but I'm working on that. So uh, work yeah. in progress. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Good. So know what you're worth, hire before the demand hits, hire when you don't actually probably need them, but yeah. plan for the growth. Yeah. And then, and then uh, it sounded like you had a progression, like, you know, a personal assistant, then a loan assistant. Is that yeah. kind of the progression? Yeah, absolutely. And so now, you know, as you know, because we, we hired um, uh, Donna, who's amazing. Um, right now we have a loan officer assistant that effectively does the upfront stuff, you know, yep. pre-approvals, um, building the file. We have an LOA who takes the file from contract to close. They work very close with the processor. Uh, and then we have Donna, our virtual professional, who does a lot of the marketing, calendar scheduling, email follow-up, pay my bills, submit my expense reports, all that kind of stuff. And then my business partner and I. So quite frankly, at five people, we're actually a little overstaffed for the amount of volume and production we're doing. Um, I will use the excuse and the caveat that our loans are getting way way more difficult here in LA than I've ever seen him in 20 years. Uh, and like I said, my business partner and I are, are fine giving up that extra money with kind of quote unquote overstaffing because we've got other things going on in our life, kids and yeah. other businesses and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I think every employee that you add to the team on the mortgage business should help you add about five loans. A so month. I have found, yeah, five loans a month. So I have found most loan officers, they can just grit and bear it and get up to about five loans a month that they're closing on their own, taking the pre-approvals, doing all the work, and they're pretty much at capacity. Yeah. And then to go from five to 10, you need that personal assistant, photocopier, you know, kind of highly paid, um, yeah, highly paid executive assistant in person. Then maybe you go with a virtual assistant, you know, once you move that person up to an LOA, but that next hire, virtual professional, moving your, your, your guy or girl in-house up to an LOA, that can get you to about 15 loans a month. And then personally, I've never been able to scale past about 20, 22 loans a month. So I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I'm not core competent enough to speak about that. But I think three to four employees um, plus yourself will get you up to about 20, 25 loans a month if you're doing it right. Yeah. What, um, I, 
and we're we're gonna wrap up soon. You've got a a, a giveaway. It's called the loan officer call tracker. So we're gonna talk yeah. about that real quick, and then we're gonna cut. Um, but talk about this because it, you use it and you teach your folks to use it. How has it helped you really grow and focus um, on your business? Focus is the key, right? Like I don't care if you use this. The core calls it the greatness tracker. Brian Buffini calls it something else. Todd Duncan calls it something else. There's a reason. These these are all you know all the weeks that we've gone through this year. Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got them all all here. These are all the weeks of my calls. Wow. And um, some weeks are better than others, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really important and and strategically and psychologically, there's a reason. It's printed You're out. Writing eight, them down. Eight and a half by fourteen in red. It's always this clipboard is 100% of the time within arm's reach of, of, you know, myself and all the people on our team. So it just sits on this clipboard. There's something, you know, we are inundated, inundated with digital input these days, the emails and the clicks and the blips and the tweets and the bleeps and all that shit. So having something I have found and most of our coaching clients have found having something physical right by you where you're writing out, okay, here's my three buyers calls for today. Here are my three new realtor relationship calls today. I called at least one listing agent. You know, I tried to get face to face with two people a day. Just, I don't know what it is, man. That little physical representation of what we're supposed to accomplish every day, it keeps me focused. And I can always tell when our coaching clients are taking this seriously because they'll start filling this up. And, and I know that they've seen something where they're like, okay, I printed it out. I connect, I can uh, committed to it because I always get the email. Hey Scott, I'm finally making the calls, even though I've been in the coaching program three months, what are the scripts? What do I say? And I'm like, Oh, watch this training video. Watch that training video. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really funny because I can tell when people's business is taking off because they actually start making the calls once they have the physical representation here on the desk. And if anybody wants a copy of this, you can email me at Scott at consolidated coaching. Uh, Scott at Consolidated Coaching, no fancy spelling there, S-C-O-T-T at ConsolidatedCoaching.com. And we'll I'll be happy to send notes. you this stuff. Oh, cool. It's in we'll, the notes. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah, along with your your uh, loan officer call tracker. Perfect. Um, okay, so what is, let, let's, let's, in, let's wrap up. What's the most valuable advice you would give to a loan officer who's wanting to go to the 20 where you kind of hit that 20 loans a month is a big deal. Yeah, um, really big deal. What What's that one piece of advice or that one thing you'd like to leave the audience with in terms of driving and growing a mortgage company? Yeah. Um, so there's three things actually, sorry. Um, <laughs> of course. The, the, the first thing is, is I would enroll your spouse or your family or the important people around you to see if that's what you really want to do, quite frankly. Okay. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of loan officers who are, quietly and not, you know, boastful on social media, closing five or 10 loans a month, making 200, 300, 400 grand, which, you know, in their market area, even in LA uh, is a really great living. And they can do that with some, some balance and some sanity and, you know, still taking care of their health and their family and whatnot. So if you really, and let's be honest, if you really have an ego around this idea of getting to 20, 25, 30 loans a month and you know being top 1% in the country, I would first talk to the people that are important in your life to make sure that they're on board for that same journey. Because yeah. no matter how systematized you are and how great your staff is, there's gonna be a lot of late nights and happy hours and some weekends worked and there's gonna be some sacrifices. So that's yep. the first thing. 
The second thing is, I don't care if it's through Consolidated Coaching, Decor, Todd Duncan, Brian Buffini, Next Level LO. There's a lot of good coaching programs out there. If you really want to get to the next level, you have to get coaching from somebody. Like yep. I could put my sister who manages apartment buildings on the phone as a mortgage coach. And just the idea that you have to call in and report your numbers and be accountable to somebody, that's usually enough to get people on the next track. So accountability um, matters. And accountability matters. Yeah, we do, a, we do a daily 8.30 a.m. lead generation call for 10 minutes. And not surprisingly, the people that get on that call every day are the ones that are doing the best in their business. And spoiler alert, I'm not even sharing anything super profound every day. Once, once in a while, I have a nugget come out. But it's just their commitment to, okay, I'm on this call every day, and then I get over to my lead generation. Just that consistency and that accountability to themselves is a game changer. So like I said, whether it's me, Next Level LO, love those guys, Todd Duncan, the core, whatever, get into some type of coaching. Okay. Um, and, then, and then the third thing I would say is as you grow, you have to constantly keep front of mind what's in it for the realtor, what's in it for the client. Yep. Because I've made this mistake. I have, I have damaged probably with beyond repair some relationships with a realtor and a lender because I started to get cocky and said, um, hey, this is what I'm doing great. This is my conveyor belt. This is my system. This is awesome. We're crushing it. We're closing deals in 14, 15 days. And I've lost track of what's in it for the realtor or what's in it for the client or lost focus of, hey, this is somebody buying their dream house, their forever house. Maybe yeah. they're the first person in their family to ever own a house. So just as you start to build and grow and hire other people and get people on the conveyor belt, do everything you can to not lose that focus of like that kind of childlike wonderment that comes along with somebody buying their first house or upgrading yeah. to their forever dream house. Um, I have not done a great job keeping that top of mind for myself. So it's something we're constantly trying to work into our process, be a little bit more warm fuzzy, which is not my nature. I'm an ex-military guy. I want like everything by the checklist and the conveyor belt, but you know, just remember this is a real emotional experience for right. our clients who are buying a home and for our realtors who are trying to pay their bills with closing these homes. So keeping that top of mind, I think will serve people at a very high level as they're, you know, as they're growing their career and growing their book of business. There you go. Scott grows consolidated okay. coaching. Daniel, I really, I really appreciate it. And you're not paying me to say this, but I've got to say uh, Donna, who I got through mod um, is, is one of the best, one of the best team members I've ever had, like her attention to detail, her, um, her desire to just please the client and the system and everything else. Like you, you guys have hired some great people. So um, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch for more hires in the future. Uh, and I think Donna is going to be with us really long-term. Well, now, now you're making me ask you another question okay. as a lender, LO, when should somebody start considering hiring a virtual assistant and what has made you successful in that? So when your calendar is FUBAR, uh, effed up beyond all recognition, and yep. you start missing appointments and, and, and your boss is on you about submitting the expense report and stuff is falling through the cracks, or you're like, oh my God, I forgot to send that bill pay. At, at the moment that your calendar is a mess, you need help. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the reason for that is we've all had that experience where we've met with a referral partner, we thought it went great, yep. and then we rush out of the coffee meeting because we're going somewhere else, we don't follow up with them. And then three months later, we see that realtor closing a deal with our arch enemy. And I'm like, oh man, we had a great coffee. I forgot to follow up. I forgot to put them on my call tracker for the next four weeks. Having that virtual professional has allowed me to say like, okay, I need a half an hour in between each of my appointment. These thank you cards need to go out. 
these people need to be added to my database. I need mm -hmm. them to go on our drip campaign. So just, yep. you know, once you feel your schedule out of control, get in touch with Daniel and hire a virtual professional. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Scott Groves, Consolidated Perfect. Coaching. Brother, thank you for being here. Appreciate you and everything you're doing to help the industry. Um, and I look forward to more of these. Thanks, man. I'll be up in Sacramento soon to get more tips on scaling my business from you. Wow. All right, later, man.